Attention real estate investors. Do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you want if you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch. We can help you turn your equity into fast cash. Call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need. 800-475-4261-800-475-4261-800-475-4261. That's 800-475-4261. This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by Uber. Enter the promo code TV Confidential, all one word, when you download the app at get.uber.com slash go slash TV Confidential, and you'll receive a free first ride up to $20. Hi, everybody. This is your cousin, Brigitte, and you are listening to TV Confidential. And now, not confidential, here's Cousin Ed. Ed Robertson with a reminder that we will play part two of our conversation with Hank Garrett beginning at the top of the hour. We'll be up to stay two from that. In the meantime, last Tuesday, December 8th, marked the 40th anniversary of the death of John Lennon. With that in mind, we thought we would round out this hour by taking you back to December 2010 and a conversation we had with New York Times bestselling author Keith Elliott Greenberg, author of December 8th, 1980, the day that John Lennon died. Keith's book takes you back to New York City and the world that John Lennon woke up to on Monday, December 8th, 1980. A day that began with a photo session with Rolling Stone photographer Annie Leibovitz that resulted in an iconic cover photo. A day that continued with a long, friendly, and upbeat interview for RKO Radio, which John discussed not only his new album, Double Fantasy, but his life in general, and how content he was to have been out of the spotlight, more or less, for the previous five years, and the day that concluded with a five-hour session in a recording studio to complete work on Walking on Thin Ice, the new single by his wife, Yoko Ono. By all accounts, December 8, 1980, was a very good day for John Lennon, but it was also a day that turned out to be the last day of his life. At 10.50 p.m. East Coast time that night, John Lennon was shot five times by Mark David Chapman, and died 30 minutes later, a shocking act of violence that the world is still 40 years later. Much has been written about the death of John Lennon, but few books are as insightful as December 8th, 1980 by Keith Elliott Greenberg. The book not only provides a minute-by-minute account of the last day of John Lennon's life, but is also a moving account of John's life as a whole, including his career with the Beatles, his relationship with Yoko Ono and his impact on the world in general. As we pick up the conversation, we said to Keith, I want to ask you about the, the infamous remark that uh, uh, John Lennon once made about the Beatles being bigger than Jesus. Because, uh, Keith, you not only do a very good job explaining that remark in your book, what John said and what he meant, and, and how his comment actually made sense, if, if you understood it, as uh, in, instead of the knee-jerk reaction that he got a lot of flack for. Tell the listeners what he meant by that, and tell the listeners the impact 
John's comments had on Chapman? Well, you know, what John Lennon said, um, I think it was in 1966 during a Beatles... Uh, no, he had said it to a British magazine, mm-hmm. and then the, the quote appeared um, in a Christian magazine during a Beatles tour of the United States. And he had said that, you know, I think he was condemning people for worshipping celebrity. And in that context, he said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Now, John was clearly a cynical guy, and he was anything but an observant Christian. Right. But his intention was not to diminish Jesus. It was to say that people had substituted celebrity for, for the spiritual. And that's something that's even more true today. So that was an extremely insightful remark, because look at the cult of celebrity we have now, and in, in not just in the United States, but in, the, in Europe as well, I guess all over the world, Asia too. Um, but what happened was, once that remark came out, the, the, uh, particularly in the American South, there was an extreme backlash, and radio stations claimed they were going to... Um, boycott playing Beatles songs. Now, all the radio stations that said that were not playing Beatles songs to begin with. And rallies were organized where people could would literally burn Beatle albums, mm-hmm. uh, much like books were burned uh, during the uh, in Nazi Germany. And look, I completely uh, sympathize with people whose uh, sensibilities may have been, um, you know, Offended. I, I understand that sometimes people who are religious feel that you know it's, it, everything's fair game, and they can be picked on and teased, and there you know nobody reacts in, uh, on their behalf. But I think this was an overreaction, and uh, you know the, the fear that this could actually destroy the Beatles, that it might destroy their tour of the United States, and people might uh, stop seeing them. Look what happened to the Dixie Chicks mm-hmm. when one of them criticized President Bush That's because right. of the war. I mean, their concerts were canceled all over the United States, and it definitely hurt their career. And John did appear at a press conference to explain himself, but he did break down before he, he, uh, he uh, appeared before the cameras and then, you know, delivered his comments in a, in a uh, controlled fashion. However, Mark David Chapman um, invested his hopes in John Lennon, and as Mark David Chapman's mental illness took hold of him, he began to find fault in John Lennon. And he seized on that one comment as proof that John Lennon was somehow, um, you know, in, in, in league with Satan and deserved to be punished for it. Yeah, and it, but, 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 but at the same time, and I think you would agree, Keith, I mean, Chapman was so far gone. I mean, if, if, if John hadn't said that, he would have glommed you know, on He would have seized on something else. Exactly. And if John Lennon never existed, he would have found somebody else to blame for all his problems. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One thing I didn't know until I read the, until I read about it in your book, December eighth, nineteen eighty, is I hadn't realized that Chapman shot John Lennon in the back, and and I had two comments when I read that. One is, what a coward. But on the other hand, after you know learning what made this man tick, which you do which you also do an excellent job of. This is not you. You not only tell the story of John's life. You give a you you basically tell the story of Chapman's life. So by the time uh, December eighth, nineteen eighty, ten fifty p.m. East Coast time comes, even though 
I thought it was cowardly that he shot him in the back. It was not surprised, you know, given who he actually was. Yes, I think that's true. And Mark David Chapman struggled with self-esteem issues as well as mental illness and perceived himself as a nobody. And, you know, sometimes I think if he had gone face to face with John Lennon and John Lennon had looked him in the eye, I truly believe in my heart that Mark David Chapman would have lost his nerve. There his, his former idol was looking at him and said, what are you doing, man? And so I believe that is why Mark David Chapman chose to shoot John when John couldn't see him. Yeah, it's almost, I, I hate to use the word passive-aggressive, but it's like that, that also popped into my head. Well, it is in a way. Um, you know, it, there, there is something very passive-aggressive about it because, um, you know, when the police arrived on the scene, he said to the police, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And so, you know, very much like a, like a weakling, right. not like a tough guy who, hey, I just killed somebody and I ain't afraid of nothing. Mm -hmm. He went back to being somebody who was nonviolent again and actually afraid of any kind of violent encounter. And uh, the, the other thing, the other bizarre thing about, about his actions in, in, in the aftermath is that he apologized to the police officers who, to, uh, you know, for ruining their night. Yes, and that just shows his complete confusion. And the police officer I interviewed said, you're apologizing to us for ruining our night? You just ruined your entire life. And he said, why'd you do it? And Chapman was kind of confused, and he said, I don't know. And then he told a story about two forces inside of him, a big man and a, and a little man, and the bad guy won. And the uh, police officer said something very intriguing. He said, although clearly it was delusional language, there was still something linear about his logic, and the police officer could follow what he was saying, even though the big man and the little man were purely product of Mark David Chapman's fantasy. It kind of made sense, as the police officer put it. He was crazy, but not too crazy. And I think that may be the reason why he wasn't... Um, found not guilty by reason of insanity. Tell me if I'm wrong. Chapman chose to plead guilty, correct? Uh, yes, he did. He did, yes. Um, but there was no trial. Right, but, um, and, and again, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to make any in fact, case. In fact, Mark David Chapman would not allow his lawyer to make the argument that he was insane. And initially, Mark David Chapman was acting pretty crazy right. because he said he wanted a forum to enlighten people to the virtues of the book The Catcher in the Rye. Um, as time has passed, he has uh, you know, said that he was a very confused person at that time and has expressed remorse. But I still wonder if he was uh, in a less controlled setting than the penitentiary, if he might not uh, be prone to doing something like that again. Yeah, I guess the, the only good thing of him pleading guilty is that he saved New York a lot of money for a trial that would have, you know, I think it saved him. And, and he also saved uh, Yoko Ono a lot of pain for right. having to sit in court and having to testify about, and look him in the eye. Is he evil? Uh, I don't want to call him evil. Um, I'd like to believe he's mentally ill and he's very sick. Yeah, I, 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 and, <laughs> yeah. I, and that you and I agree. And I'd like to think that, um, you know, every time he comes up for parole, Yoko always makes a statement that the parole should be denied, that she fears him, and reasonably so. However, I'd like to believe that John Lennon might have him as being a proponent of the uh, misunderstood 
might actually advocate for his release for, by now. I'm not saying it would be right, but John being John might say, okay, the man's mentally ill, he's sick, he should be treated therapeutically. You know, I, I could certainly see him say a prison is the wrong place for a man like this to be. We are talking to New York Times bestselling author Keith Elliott Greenberg, author of December 8th, 1980, The Day That John Lennon Died, a conversation that originally aired in December 2010 on TV Confidential. We'll play some more of our conversation with Keith at the end of our second hour. We hope to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we will play part two of our conversation with Hank Garrett from Car 54. Where are you when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential? Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Linda Day George. Diane Cannon. Donna Mills. Richard Benjamin. Michael Bell. Joan Van Ark. Thank you so much, Joan. I, I really appreciate this. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. Well, I hope so, too. And let me tell you, bravo to you. Kudos for doing your homework. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Hugs. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week, and I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now and tell them the tax lady sent you. 855-717-6901. That's 855-717-6901. You can listen to this show all over again as a podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, and wherever podcasts are found. Best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the TV Confidential Podcast, go to the homepage at televisionconfidential.com and click subscribe now. Become a TV Confidential Confidant and receive unlimited access to the last five years of TV Confidential, plus other members-only content. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a Confidant. Enter the coupon code CONFIDENTIAL when you sign up, and you'll receive $5 off your first month's membership. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a Confidant. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button.
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.